Hello and welcome to Success Stories. I'm Kendra Hall, Chief Storytelling Officer at Success Magazine, and this is the podcast where we sit down with the brightest stars and the boldest thought leaders as they share their stories so you can create your own success story. My guest today is Ryan Serhant. You may have seen him on Bravo's Million Dollar Listing New York. He's a billion dollar broker who helps move some of the most luxurious properties in the world. But his success wasn't always guaranteed. Living paycheck to paycheck just a decade ago, he took life-changing steps that resulted in his getting cast on television, graduating to seven-figure sales, and doubling his income every year. He shares how he did it in the new book, Big Money Energy, How to Rule at Work, Dominate at Life, and Make Millions. Ryan, welcome to Success. We're so excited to hear your stories. Thanks for having me. Yay. Well, um, first of all, congratulations on the book, Big Money Energy. I just mentioned to you, you. you have it as a... Now they can't really see this, but you just held it up on your hand. Like, is it a mitten? Oh no, it's um yeah. If you if you follow me, you know that I my first book, so like Sir Ham, yeah, um, uh, ended up becoming like this toolkit for the gig economy, and mm-hmm. I barely had to sell it. Like the book just sold itself. It was crazy, not so, um, and it spawned a, a spinoff show for Bravo. It spawned a, a, a spinoff sales course, which has been massive and totally changed our business. Second book I wrote during quarantine, so like seven months ago, and um, uh, it's a much different process. And so I told everybody, like, listen, I'm not going to push the book on anybody. I, I, it's, I, you know, I like selling real estate, um, but if you could pre-order it, that would be great. And to give you incentive, I'll tape the book to my hand for 30 days. And I did that on January 10th, um, and now it's 15 days later, and it's, it's probably one of the biggest regrets I've ever made in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, um, because when I st- when I say I'm going to do something, I-, I do it and I stick to it. And so it's been taped. I switch hands, so don't get freaked out. Right, hands. right. Because I, I was just thinking about how bad your hand must smell. And like, no, 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 no. I switch hands. I wash my hands. It's a whole thing. And so whatever, you know, I'll, I'll put it between my it's legs. Very important to wash your hands, Ryan. Yeah. Um, and so and that's why it's taped to my hand in 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 solidarity with with selling the book. But anyway. Most most people do dry January, but you just did tape a book to my hand January. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what the cool kids do now. It you is, know? It is. <laughs> in whatever way possible. Well, actually, I did. I did want to ask you. Um, we could just jump right into this. In fact, before we jump right into this, I don't think you have to worry very much. Like I once, I had a friend of mine who was an author. I was about to launch my book and I'm like, ah, any advice? He's like, well, my advice is a little delayed because you've already written the book, but the key to selling a great book is writing a book that people want to read. And I have to tell you, so I got this early copy shipped to my door, to my apartment. I brought it upstairs and then I, I couldn't find it. And it was because my husband took it and devoured it. And he doesn't even read books. (laughs) He he loved it. And he likes real estate a lot. So there was a lot in there. But he's like, hey, tell him, like, this is really well done. He read the whole book in a weekend. Loved it. Should have made it longer. Thank you. You should have made it longer. The font a little bit smaller. But, uh, you know, other than that, you're (laughs) you're 
good. That's awesome. Um, Thanks. So what was it like you mentioned, you mentioned there that you wrote this book during a pandemic and just hearing that because so much, um, you know, the book is called Big Money Energy and so much energy has to go into writing a book. But if there was any time in my life, collective humanity life that felt less energetic, it was the pandemic. So so how did you do that? Like, how did you write in these circumstances? Um, that's a good question. I, well, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know anything about me, I was, uh, uh, I, I'm not from New York City. I was born in Texas. I grew up outside Boston. I came here in 2006 when I graduated college to, uh, to do theater. All I wanted to do in my whole life was be on Broadway. Um, uh, I had studied for it, practiced, trained, everything, uh, and it's really hard to do. And in theater school and acting school, I never went to like a formal acting, I went to a liberal arts school. Mm -hmm. um, they don't teach you the business of acting. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't teach you that it's very easy to go hungry. Uh, and so I had a little bit of money saved, but I had to figure out like how to survive in New York City. And so I did with like odd jobs like hand modeling and you know, which, which actually now with the book tape to it, they probably, they, they I don't yeah. know if you'd be able to do it now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yes, yes, true. Um, but I, I only got into real estate because I just ran out of money and I didn't get on Broadway. So I had to do something. And I knew if I left New York, I would never come back. Uh, and I knew that New York too was the place where if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I got into real estate to pay my bills and I just fell in love with, with the work, right? I fell in love with kind of the, 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 the discipline, with the lifestyle, with the ups and downs even, right? It kind of makes you feel alive. Like every day is so insane yeah. and so full of energy. So, which brings me to your question. I mean, you know, when quarantine happened, it's like everyone's worst nightmare, sure, but it wasn't a situation where I could just sit there and watch Netflix. I mean, you know, we had 300, I guess, almost 400 listings, uh, uh, you know, 100 deals, and every single one of them was on fire. Mm -hmm. So uh, the writing the book was actually kind of uh, the, the calming mechanism for me as I was kind of like pouring out what it meant to to have confidence uh, when you have absolutely no confidence in any situation, whether you're going on a job interview or that second date or, um, or you're in a pandemic, you know, yes. or starting a new year. Um, uh, and it was the, I think the, the high energy of trying to save every deal we had that was dying uh, because of quarantine and because of COVID uh, gave me that energy to move forward and write the book. But I also, I never changed my routine. Like yeah. I woke up at four, I still ran around the lake. I was doing pushups in the snow. It sucked. It was the worst, but otherwise I wouldn't be able to start my day. You know, I wouldn't be able to, to stay, to stay producing. I want to come back to the routine thing because this is, but, but first I hadn't thought of it that way that yes, it's, it's about energy. And that felt like a very, it was like, um, it was a nervous energy. There was uncertain energy, but you're right. There was a, I mean, I, so a big part of my business is keynote speaking. Yeah. Um, I lost, we, it, it was, yeah. there was, there, it was, it was, it was yeah, exciting. Same. Everything got canceled. Exactly. It was crazy, but I did actually end up like 
there was some production because it was this, the, the energy that comes even from chaos then turned into creation. That is fascinating. So, but then you mentioned that there, the routine. So tell me about, tell me about the importance of your routine, not only to the success of writing this book and everything, but, but in your, in your life. Yeah. I mean, I am, I am, and I think a lot of people are creatures of habit and uh, you can either have good routines or you can have bad routines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you just have to make the decision as to what type of routines you want to have and setting a plan into motion, which is really what creating a routine is, mm-hmm. right? Cause that routine will help you execute on that plan and get you to your goals is how you then create good habits. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, you can't just like wake up and lose weight, right? You've got to, create those habits by setting that routine and go for it and go for it and go for it until eventually now that's just part of your life. Um, I mean, I, uh, I wake up incredibly early cause it's just what I know how to do. Um, I take advantage of it. Go to bed. Can I ask? Yeah. It depends on the day. I mean, um, I'm up around 4am whether it's Sunday through Friday. Um, if I can get to bed by like nine, that's awesome. But typically yeah. it's somewhere between 10 and 11. Yep. Um, okay. And, uh, what do you do at 4am? What's the first thing you do? Email. No. Really? Yeah. I get, I don't know. I I guess I would have to, I mean, I think I get like 2000 emails a day. Um, uh, so I mean, I have a, I have an assistant who's specifically paid just to help me manage email because I don't work for a regular company where it's like, I get to be on Slack all day or, you know, these different kind of chat apps, everything with all of our clients, all of our developers, all the different things we do. It is all in different email. It's all in four email accounts and it all comes in like nonstop. And uh, it all has to be dealt with immediately. I mean, there's, there's a lot of spam that I don't deal with, but then everything else, like I, I've tried it before where I have somebody who answers emails for me, who reads emails for me. And then, but then a client will call me at one and they'll say, so you just wrote back to my email. Is that really what you think? And I'm like, that wasn't me. I don't know. Fuck. What, what did I say? Right. And so I, I couldn't, so I had to kill that right away. So I look at email that it came through and I review my calendar. So I know exactly what I have to go through. I drink a little pre-workout drink. I read the news um, mm-hmm. on my phone, kind of like mentally wake up and then I go to the gym and then I get back. The baby wakes up at seven o'clock on the dot. I get her. She's always pissed off. Um, give her milk, put her with her mom. I get showered. I go to work. Yeah. yeah, I've been I've I've been becoming more and more fascinated with like more and and actually I think it is the uh pandemic. I needed some sort of I needed some sort of routine, right? Like that was that was set. And otherwise I, every day is like I talk to people all the time now who are just like, I don't even know what day it is. Every day is the same, every day is the same, every day is the same. And that that just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um and I, I don't want any outside forces to ever dictate the way my life is going to be led. Like right. I wasn't allowed to go outside. So we went to New Hampshire where I could go outside and there were no humans right. um, and I could run around outside. I had to like Jerry rig this Wi-Fi. It was brutal because I tried to do like video chats and conferences like this in, you know, in Dublin, New Hampshire in a tree. Uh, <laughs> it's not fun. Um, the background would be epic. That would be a great, that would be a great background. I kept taking like the camera and I kept saying like, look, it's, I'm in the woods. I get literally in the woods and it's snowing, which I guess for me being in New York city, the last, I don't know, 15 years almost, um, is unique and fun, uh, for everybody else. So like, dude, I live in the woods my whole life all the time. <laughs> right. 
New York City is a weird place. You're like, these are all these, look at all these birds. So I know the book is called uh, Big Money Energy, but I, I also get the sense that there's there's more to it. Um, and that's what I really loved. I'm I'm becoming more, I wouldn't say familiar, but more interested in really the like energy, but also like the magnetism that that happens, that that leads, that brings success. And actually just last night, do you remember the movie, The Secret? Yes. From like 15 years ago. Yes. I was so, I actually had my kids, eight and nine watched years. Watched it last night. Yeah, we watched it last night. They, my, my daughter then drew a picture and said, I want our puppy to speak to me in English. Like that was her thing she was putting out in the universe. And I'm like, oh, well, you know what? You just never know how it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> my dog's going to start talking. Yeah. The dog's name is Space Dog. So I nice. Um, so tell <laughs> me about this idea of like magnetism and, and how you can attract success to you. Yeah. But the, the, you know, I called it big money energy because that's what I used to call people that I saw that were successful. Yeah. Like, man, that person, that person is, that person's just got it. Like they got that thing and they can walk into a room. They know what they're doing. And it wasn't even what they were wearing or how they looked like. Like you just know when you see somebody who is just crushing it, like they've just got that thing. And it just kind of became like BME, BME, BME all the time. Um, and it was this thing that I aspired to, uh, but I made the mistake when I was much younger thinking that, oh, I could just kind of uh, pretend to have that and then I will have it because I right. keep hearing all these people saying you can fake it till you make it. Yeah. Uh, and that didn't work and it didn't work spectacularly uh, and really, really blew up in my face because if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're talking about, then um, uh, people can see right through you and then you're inauthentic and then and then it just kind of uh, completely, you know, burns the boat. Um, Wait, how did it blow up? I want to hear that story. Yeah. Uh, it blew up probably multiple times. Uh, <laughs> the time that is it sticks out the most is I had sold one apartment for over $2 million. And I thought that I was, mm-hmm. um, I, I thought I knew everything. I, 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 of course, you know, I just sold an apartment to a woman from China. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. I'm a power broker in the city. I know everything. And so I was like, all right, let me go find my next deal. I, I had a friend introduce me to this big developer, uh, who agreed to meet with me. And I was like, obviously he does because I'm the man. Um, <laughs> after one well, sale, listen, you say it that way now, but you have to remember, you know, 10 years ago, like, you know, it was 2010, you know, oh. one sale was a big deal. The city was, was not in a great space. Uh, and I just sold an apartment to a woman from China for her unborn child. Um, <laughs> Which is a so, great story, by the way, that story. Yeah. It's a great I story. thought, I thought I knew what I was, uh, I thought I knew that I thought I was, kind of the man that way. Anyway, so I went to that meeting with the developer and he just hit me with question after question of things I had no idea what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I froze and I got nervous and I just tried talking about the one sale and and the meeting was over before I knew it. And when I followed up with my friend, uh, he said the feedback that he got from that guy was, um, uh, you know, nice kid, has a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that was a wow. I don't have big money energy. I, I was, I, I have money energy. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of people have that. And so I really kind of figured out what I needed to do 
to be authentic and to not just have big money energy, right? Because um, it's not about the money. It's mm-hmm. about what you said, right? It's about big magnetic energy. How can mm-hmm. I be so magnetic that people will want to do business with me, that people will like me, that she'll want to go on that second date with me when I was single, you know, that he'll want to give me that job or give me that listing. Um, uh, and that's what it's about, right? How do you can create a magnetic uh, energy to yourself that will attract success over and over and over. So not just once, right? But year after year after year that people will then follow and they'll, they'll see and they'll say, wow, I want some of that. I want some of that confidence. And then it'll rub off on that person and then they'll do better. And then people around you will start doing better because of you. And then it's associated marketing, right? People yeah. want to surround themselves with somebody who's doing well. And then before you know it, you go from kind of the, the crew that you had been hanging out with who complained about the same thing every day, left and right, you know, with, with dead end jobs to uh, the group of people you always wish that you could associate yourself with because they were drawn to you, right? They were attracted to you. Um, and that's the idea. So I, I want to know all of the uh, details on how you did that. Um, but before we go there, there was a line in the book that said, and I made a note of it, It said, I convinced myself that success, and this was early on in the book, I convinced myself that success was reserved for other people. Now, I think that, I think that a lot of us have felt that way, that there are, you know, that maybe we are where we are and other people, because that's our destiny and other people are just meant to be. But I'm interested, what did that, like, how did that manifest itself? Because for, for example, like how, what did it really look like? Because I, I guess I thought for myself, I had maybe outgrown that perspective. Like I'd moved beyond that. Like, no success is available for me too. Like maybe I could put that statement to the side, but then just the other day, I noticed that any article that said, you know, this billion dollar opportunity or a billion dollar idea, I started seeing several, I don't know what, I don't even know where I was or what I was reading, but I, I caught myself anytime it was like a billion dollar idea, I would be like, oh, that's not for me. Multi-million, I'd be like, that's not for me. Like that's, and so so it's interesting because I thought that I kind of solved that. And all of a sudden I realized, no, I'm thinking that there are things, I still think that, that there are things that aren't for me. So what were a few of the ways that that was manifesting itself in your life back then? Uh, I mean, so many ways, you know, I think that we reserve success for people that we think deserve it um, uh, without ever kind of connecting uh, what those people really did to get to that level with what we can do to possibly get to that level. You know, and I think obviously now it gets a lot worse, right? Because especially with a year like last year, you spend so much time in your phone. You spend so much time looking at the news. You spend so much time on social media and you see other people bragging about their life and you just say, okay, well, that person was born rich. I don't know. That person is super smart. Not like me. I don't know. That person is just gifted. Look at their body. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So you, you make excuses, right? For why it, whatever that it might be, isn't working for you, um, because it's easier to go about your life that way, right? If it's if it's never meant to happen for me, then eh, fine, whatever. It's just another day. It actually gets so much harder, even though it's more exciting, when you realize that it is absolutely possible, uh, and you actually then start to figure out and bullet point the steps, right? So, like one of the first things that I did, and I had no idea 
uh, that I was even doing it while I was doing it mm -hmm. um, was I did a like a self audit, right? Where I asked a friend who was like a really, really honest friend. It's like, dude, can you tell me, can you tell me who I am? Like who, like what, what, what do you know about me? Like if you said, Hey, I'm hanging out with Ryan and someone says they don't know who I am and you tell them, Oh, he's the guy who, like, what would you say? Um, that was a fascinating exercise. Like, I just want to pause there for a second. Everyone needs to write that down because we all have the honest friend or maybe somebody that we don't, you know, pick a few people to ask that question to. It'd be fascinating to hear what the responses were. What did he say? Yeah, and I told him to be as honest as possible. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because everyone always goes to physical attributes first, right? Because they're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe you don't know him. He's, um, he's like that really tall, uh, gray-haired guy with a really young face. Um, uh, so that was the first thing that he said, but which kind of like, for me, it was like, really, uh, my, my hair is the first thing you go to. Uh, it's so weird. Um, uh, and they also said, uh, and, you know, and he's kind of got a sense of humor that isn't always funny to other people. Um, <laughs> that, that took me back for a second too. Um, and he said a bunch of other stuff, but it like, it just helped me realize like, oh, okay. Maybe the way that I'm coming off to others uh, isn't the way I want to. Uh, mm -hmm. And I actually have some control over that. Like one of the other things he said was, um, uh, he wouldn't say this to other people, but he's like, oh, oh yeah, Ryan, now that you're asking me, there's tons of stuff about you that's weird. Like <laughs> you look at the ground all the time. Like when you walk, it's like, I look at the ground when I walk. He's like, yeah, you, you're really awkward with eye contact. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. That's good well, to that's know. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a problem. Um, um, uh, you said, you know, a good thing though, is like, you're always super active and energized when you talk. He's like, I don't know, maybe it's because you used to sing or something, but like, you're all over the place with your voice. Like, really? I don't know. That. Um, uh, but but I, so I took all those notes that he gave me and I think everybody has a friend like this or a parent or a teacher or a boss. We can just say, dude, let loose. The worse you can be, the better it's going to be for me because we don't often, we never ask for constructive criticism because we don't want it, right? It's just right. life too hard. Like, I don't want to know what you don't like about me. I don't want to deal with it. Let me just live my life. I don't care what other people think. <laughs> Unless you actually want to make a real change in your life, which at that time I had I'd run out of money um, and it was go home to Colorado or stay in New York. And I knew I wasn't getting on Broadway anytime soon. So it was do free theater or free student films with NYU kids uh, mm -hmm. or get a job. Um, and I didn't want to do anything else. And so the real estate thing uh, was sold to me by a friend as this thing that you could do part time. Right. Mm -hmm. Do what you want to do all day long. And you got your license, rent a few apartments a month, pay your bills. Boom. Easy. Um, but I was losing deals left and right and losing clients left and right. And I just couldn't figure out exactly what it was. And so I took it super personally because that's what we do, right? Yeah. We always, well, they must just not like me, right? Mm -hmm. It's just always about me, 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 me. When really it was really about what I was putting out as me, okay? It was the perception of myself that I put out into the world to these people that they didn't really like, um, that they didn't get along with or that they didn't want to do business with. And that was a hard, hard lesson for me to learn. Um, uh, and that self audit was a, was a big initial fix so that I could start bulleting out. Okay. Well, these are things I don't really care about. Like I'm not going to change my hair. No, but yeah. And I now you can't. Probably, yeah. I no, could, but I'd have to dye my hair like once a week. Yeah. It would be a disaster. <laughs> um, uh, but I can, uh, realize that I'm self-conscious about at that time, the way I, I looked so I can 
keep my gaze up and actually look people in the eye and not mm. dart my eyes around when I talk because it might make me feel better. But really what I'm showing to the other person is that I'm completely lacking in self-confidence. And so I don't want to make that personal connection. So those are like two little things that I started to, to work on as I determined that what I really wanted in life was to be successful. It didn't need to be on Broadway. Maybe it might be this real estate thing. And so what changes do I have to make in my own life to put myself forward? Um, mm. And there's a lot more that goes into it than that, but that's, that's kind yeah. of a simple start. So one question I, I have is in that audit, were, was there anything that came just, just listeners who you can only hear, he just took a drink of water with a book taped to his hand. So I forget now. Everyone's like, still, I'm, I'm afraid for you that you're going to like a paper cut your iris or something and then your eye will fall off. Knock on wood, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but was there anything that your friend said um, that was positive and unexpected like something that you were like oh I could play that up more like even the fact that you're always energetic when you talk like that would be people yeah. like energy were there yeah. things that surprised you that way too yeah you know there are for sure because there are some great attributes about mm -hmm. all of us that are just part of our personality that we are unaware of exactly you know, that we know. like I didn't realize that most people have very monotone voices and that mine wasn't, right? Right. I, I had no idea. Um, and maybe I could actually find it here. Um, uh, you know, one of the things in the book I talk about, I kind of write out all these codes, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, that were important to me over the years. Uh, and one of them is if you need to mask your insecurities, amplify the traits that are working for you, which is exactly what you're talking about. Like it's, if you are uncomfortable with how you look, maybe what's working for you is your ability to talk, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you can, maybe you have the gift of gab. Maybe you could talk to anybody about anything. And like for me, when I first got into the business, uh, I tried to be an actor, right? <laughs> Little did I know that uh, the process of learning to, to do theater and to act is exactly what you need to know to become a great real estate agent. Isn't it is all learning your lines, in memor memorizing, and then it's all a game of improv. I meet someone on the street, I play the yes game, and all I gotta do is tell them everything I know about the block, the buildings, who lives there, what's going on over here, what they need to do as part of the deal process. And then the deal is again, just another improv. You know, yeah. it's a game, okay? You wanna make an offer? Yes, and let me go get you a counter. Yes, and, and go back and forth and back and forth. And if you can keep your energy up and you can stay disciplined, um, you can do a significant amount of business. And I had no idea. So all the personal insecurities I had, I masked them with my ability to memorize information. So no one ever asked me how long I was in the business. No one ever asked me why I was a 30-year-old or 20, what was, how old was it, a 23-year-old looking 50-year-old hair man. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like all the insecurities I had about anything, I, like I'm not from New York. I'm not from yeah. New York. The best salespeople in New York are born here on the Upper East Side. They went to school here. Their parents are bankers here. Like they, they, they success is for them, not for me. Mm -hmm. So I just memorized information to the point where people said, well, I'll just work with you because you know more than what I can find online. And this seems to be your business and you really know your stuff. Right. So it's kind of how I, um, one way that I was able to kind of um, uh, push my traits out there to overcome any insecurities that I had. 
So when did you start? And it's crazy too, to think, I, I, I just feel like you should say that again, that you had insecurities. Like it's also easy to look at somebody, you know, at the end of a revolutionary decade and be like, oh, you mustn't, he never had an insecurity. Look at him. He's got all these best-selling books, multiple shows, you know, doing this all. He can't, but to know that that's not where it started. Oh yeah, no way. And I, I think I, I still haven't truly figured out how to not care about being embarrassed. Um, I was just talking to Jesse Itzler who founded Marquee Jets and uh, is married to uh, a great woman who, who founded Spanx. And he told me that- um, uh, I love her, of, by the way. For, I, yeah. I, I love her for creating Spanx. So when you see her, tell her I said, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things he told me is like, Ryan, you're going to have to figure out. Because um, he's like, I don't think you figured it out yet. He's, he's right. Uh, how to not be afraid of being embarrassed. If you want to be truly successful, you need to be okay falling on your face. And it's different than I'm not afraid of failure, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, I'm going to try something. No one will know about it, right? I can fail. People fail at things all the time. You know, you, you walk down the street, you trip, you fall over, you just failed at walking, but no <laughs> one saw you. So it's okay. Yeah. But being okay with being embarrassed, I think takes us all back to being like 14 years old. And that idea of being embarrassed in school and how terrible it would be. And everybody would know like how, uh, like, and it's, yeah. it's something that a lot of us don't ever shake off. So yeah, I mean, I, I have tons of insecurities. Even now, I just started a real estate business in a city where a million people have just left. Um, in the coming of back, coming back. No, of course, yeah, they are coming back, but they're like- They're not, they're not here yet. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. You know, there's, there's so many, there's fears um, uh, that, you know, I, I, that I use to fuel me, but I'm sure in some way, still hold me back from making yeah. bigger decisions but i don't know i mean look at you like what are your what are your insecurities do you have any no i am 100 are you kidding me i actually realized i had a big i had a big revelation because this podcasting thing is pretty new for me um but i thought it'd be a great opportunity to meet awesome people like you and i i get like i'm ill before every podcast um because I think that I'm not prepared enough. I'm not prepared enough. Sure. I don't, I haven't, I haven't done enough. I'm not, and, sure. and so, you know, and it's like, okay, well, what would make, or even if I, and, and as a result, I end up over-preparing and then you leave very little space for what happens naturally, right? Like, yeah. and it's crazy how they pop up. So, so let me ask you, it sounds like this friend of yours that's, you know, I'm not going to, all I can remember is Sarah, Sarah Blakely's husband. Is that what I, I can call him that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what <laughs> But then he said like, Hey, you need to be embarrassed. And you had said, well, you can fail in private and people don't really see it, but it sounds like then the next level for you is doing things that you don't know, you know how to do and being public about it. Am I hearing that right? So that if you do, and that really is the only, yeah. Right. Like that's the only way forward. Like yeah, you, you, I, you know, life is short. Like you have to try, you know, it's, it's the whole reason I came to New York. Like my, my parents said, don't go to New York. Everyone else said, don't go to like, what are you crazy? You don't have a job. You didn't go to New York on savings, the most expensive city in the world. What are you nuts? So you could try to be on, on, on Broadway. Like, what are you crazy? Yeah. Go to law school, go get a job, right? Do what you're supposed to do. 
and for me, it was just like, I, I, I'm so terrified of regret more than anything, more yeah. than embarrassing myself, um, that I'd, you know, that I'd rather regret the things I did than the things I never tried. Um, I think you got to try because who, who knows what could happen. Yeah. You know, most of the things you try at are not going to work out just like most, right. Most athletes, you know, they, they got to try throwing the ball, right. I don't know if you watched football yesterday, but you know, there's, there's interceptions left and right, but they had to try and more often than not, the ball goes where you want it to go. Sometimes it doesn't and it sucks, but you move on. You don't just like throw in the towel. You got a whole game to play, you know, and that's kind of the, that's what life is, right? We have the whole game to play. So you don't throw in the towel every time you get intercepted. I don't know how about this football analogy now, just because I'm just thinking about it now, but, uh, but I'll go with that. One. I didn't watch it yesterday. I did see a few Packers fans look kind of sad and I grew up in Minnesota. So, oh, did you? uh, yeah. <laughs> so hey wait what, I have an idea for you an idea for your net you know like the embarrassment I think you should start you should do a one-man show on Broadway oh my god think about this not because oh, you'd be embarrassing yeah. like it, it, it would be like you'd be amazing but like Broadway could you like when when things start coming back and like think about that as like a big public risk opportunity like that hey two years from now you're gonna come back and be like Kendra thank you I'll start writing the script I actually wrote a song on the subway one night two summers ago called we're never leaving the city I should I'm gonna send you the video then it's me I should I need to find I was I had had some tequila so I'm just gonna put that out there right now but it was that could be the opening act that could that could be your song uh I'll oh, it's a one-man show and i'll just see what goes i'll just say oh yeah no i'll, I'll sing it it'll be fine in your yeah. voice we could, um, we could do it so yeah. i wanted to i wanted to um i was going through my notes preparing and over preparing and there was something uh that was talking about the three m's magnetism mindset motivation. Now we've talked a little bit about magnetism there's a lot more in there and i think again that that's like a huge it's a huge thing, but mindset and motivation, especially right now. Uh, I know that everyone, I know for myself, I came into 2020 like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the greatest decade of my life. And you, Ryan, are proof of the difference a decade can make, right? But then, I mean, it was a battle of mindset and motivation in 2020. So what have you learned from your previous experience just through this year that you can share with us about those two M's? Yeah, I think um, uh, for me, it's been uh, a game of endurance, right? Like I, I know that no matter what, tomorrow's coming. There's nothing I can do to stop it. I know life is short. 2020 showed us that in our faces, CNBC yes. had a death ticker, right? At the bottom of their screens for the better part of a year. Every day we were reminded of how short life was. Um, uh, we were all united in that. And uh, I wanna do as much as I possibly can with the amount of time that I have here, because before I know it, I'm not gonna be here. And it's not so much about leaving legacy as it is like, that is my main motivator is that I am, you know, I guess the fourth M would be mortality. Like you are aware of your own mortality, which gives you the mindset to be motivated uh, and get up because who, 
Like, who's going to care if I don't go to work tomorrow? My clients, I mean, sort of, maybe the people that work for me, probably they'll be annoyed. But at the end of the day, like they'll all move on. People will get other jobs. People will hire somebody else. The person who's going to care the most is going to be me in 10 years when I look back and realize that I let myself down. And I don't want to be that guy. Right? That, that, I, I work for that guy. I, I work for my future self. Like mm-hmm. every single day, myself tomorrow, I hope he has a good life, you know, myself in 10 years, right? I want to be prepared to when I'm there, um, especially myself in 20 years, 30 years, um, knock on wood, right? That we make it that far. So it is, you know, being aware of your own mortality allows you to have the motivation, um, uh, you know, to, to stay motivated. Um, and that mindset then has to stay positive. There is no room for negativity, but that also doesn't mean to not have negative feelings or to have bad feelings or to have bad days. It just means that you use them, right. To amplify the good days and the good feelings. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't know you had a good feeling if you never had a bad one. Right. Well, and to acknowledge that you're human too, like this is that you're, that, the, yeah. that there's, you know, uh, I think it was Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Yes, yeah, his Oscar speech. Yeah. Where he said the hero is himself in the future. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's I a mean, great speech. It was so weird when he did it live, but I like that that Oscar speech <coughs> when he won for Dallas Buyers Club was uh uh was eye-opening for me. I never saw the speech. I need to go back and see the speech. YouTube it after this. Matthew McConaughey Oscar speech, and he gets up there. And he's like, you know, all these people got these heroes, this, your dad, Abraham, Link, whatever he said, my hero is myself in the future. <laughs> but <laughs> it now was, it makes sense. Look. Yeah, it makes total sense. You said the exact same thing. You said 20, 20 years from now, you is what motivates yeah. you. Yeah. And I think he actually just did a, what was it, a podcast he did? He did a, he, it wasn't a recent podcast, but he did one where he talked about um, his goal is to be an egotistical utilitarian. Yes. So, I heard that podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, uh, you know, if you focus on yourself, you'll do what's best for yourself and everybody else. And what's uh, best for you is best for other people. Yeah, exactly. Right. If you just focus on everybody else, it might not be the best for them. And if you just focus on yourself, probably not best for other people either. Right. <laughs> right um, exactly. Uh, yeah. That, that future you, if you were my, like, I don't, I've moved offices during COVID, so I don't have it anymore. Uh, I wonder if I, have it, but I, I do have, um, oh, I have it here. I could show you. I know nobody He's will reaching see it. for it now for uh, with the book tied to his hand. Yeah. With another one. Um, oh, I used to have this right by my, my desk all the time. There's a old man. There's like a 75 year old photo of me. <laughs> right. So I would, I just, I took that photo, um, and like aged myself and I had that printed uh, by my desk forever as just like, as like a goal, right? You put up a goal like, oh, I want to be this weight or I want to make this much, but whatever you did, that guy would look for the last, for like five years until we move offices. Um, like looked at me all day long. It's like, dude, I gotta, I'm, I'm working, man. I'm working. Um, uh, because I want his life to be great because one day I'll be there. And before I know it, like, it's going to happen. That's what's so crazy, right? Like look how fast 2020 went by. I know, I know. But wait, I just have to point out because in case people are just listening to this, he just pulled a random book off of his shelf with his own book taped to his hand, showed me a picture of an old guy and said, and I don't even know who the old guy, I don't even know if you know who the old guy is. He, print, he printed it's it me. out. It's and, me. That's a, that's a photo of my face. But, but that's the thing. It isn't actually him. For those of you who are listening, it is a, it's a, that isn't you. 
That is not an actor. Not no. yet. It won't be me in 30. <laughs> so he, every years. day, he looks at the photo of this guy and hopes for his great future. So whoever that guy is, I mean, think about how well he's doing right now that you've been sending so much positive energy his way. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. No, but I do think that, um, and that's where, you know, you said 2020 went by so fast. When yeah. you look back on the last 10 years, because it's been 10 years, just over 10 years now since that first sale that um yeah 2000 uh 2009 so almost 11 years almost 11 years bonkers how fast it's gone by yeah like when you look back on it now like is it a blur like can you can you i mean i can't even imagine how far you've come in 10 years i mean how far anyone can yeah, I mean, I think if anyone thinks back to 2010, where you were, right? Maybe there's someone who's listening to this who's 20, who's like, I was 10. Um, uh, it's a lot of time, but it does go by in the blink of an eye, right? And the years go by so fast. I mean, I don't know when this will come out, but it's, you know, it's already February. Like, it's crazy. You know, we waited so long for January. It went by so fast. Right? It's yeah. over. It's gone. The weeks go by so fast because we are, I think, we're so scheduled. And we are so obsessed with our routines, which is what we talked about, I think for better and for worse. Yeah. Um, so it's a delicate balance between living life to its fullest and squeezing everything you can out of life. I think they're two totally different things. But my main focus is do more, um, live as much of my life as I can in the moment uh, and take advantage of every day that I have. Otherwise, I'm not going to ever get this day again. Like the day we have today is over. Like it'll forever just be a part of my history. I don't get to redo it. A really great day though, because. Because I'm here with you. Yeah. yeah. I do have a question that I want, I, that I want to ask your, how old is your baby? She's almost two. She's almost two. So, almost. I mean, think about this, these last two years, so many big things have happened for you. Yeah. How do you, and you have your wife, did I see you got a new puppy too? No, it's, yeah. um, uh, our, our head of new development um, in our company had got a dog and brings the dog to work every day. And so we just use that dog for content. You know, it's a cute dog. So it's like, all right. And okay. my, <laughs> my studios team created a, a dog Instagram account without her even knowing. And we just sort of like, took control of it. And uh, so, yeah, so I don't have a dog. She has a dog, but the dog is in my office. There you go. But what do you, how do you balance your, your love for the work that you do, the energy that just naturally, I know that you get like, it's, it's flowing out of you. I can tell that you get it. Like the energy that comes from work and also to not let that carry you away on a river away from the energy and the responsibilities and, and what it is to be a, a husband and a father. How do you, how do you do both? Um, I don't think I'm amazing at it. Uh, I think uh, my wife, Amelia is very well aware of, of who she married yeah. and knows where, where I get excited, what makes me tick, what my priorities are. And she's never tried to change that ever. Um, uh, you know, which is helpful because I was in relationships prior to her where, you know, my work ethic and what I was doing didn't blend well. And it, it was really uncomfortable, right? right? You're like, and you get nervous about taking phone calls. You get nervous about checking your phone. You get nervous about, I have to do an appointment on Saturday. Is she going to break up with me? Like, 
you know, you get, so, yeah. um, uh, so anyone who's listening, who's in those kinds of relationships, you're identifying with what Ryan's saying and that you have this motivation, you want to take these calls on Saturdays and you have someone that you're, that's giving you a hard time about that. It's a good time to reevaluate that. Yep. That's great. Yeah. And so, um, uh, now, you know, now I, I make compromises, right. You make sacrifices. So, uh, two nights a week, um, Monday to Friday, I'm home and to put the baby to bed. Um, that's the deal. That way it's not like, it's not anything we think about. It's not anything that yeah. gets argued over. Right. And it's something that is part of the calendar. And I talk to my clients about it. I'm like, no, nope, dude, tonight, tonight's tonight, put the baby to bed. Like, yep. can't, can't do it. Sorry. Um, yeah. it's part of the deal. Right. Um, uh, Saturdays are for Xena and, uh, that's sort of, and it's what works for right now. Um, and I also make, uh, and I will start to make it one thing we, we do a big online, um, we have a big sales course and a sales yeah. platform for agents, uh, all around the world. And there's now like 6,000 of them. And one thing I tell them all, all the time is cause they ask me the same question, work-life balance, you know, my family, I feel bad when I go to work, like make them part of the game, get them to be excited. Like, why are you excited to go sell anything? You're excited because you're going to make income because you don't get a salary. Right? You don't get paid hourly. There's no benefits here. You only make money if you sell something. Yeah. So get the family to be incentivized as well. Right? You can say this is bull no, all you want, but I'm telling you, it works. So mm -hmm. tell your kids, hey, you know, uh, if daddy sells this house, every, every house I sell, you get a new toy, something. So that yeah. way it's not just something random. It's now they're like, oh, dad, are, did you sell? Did you sell a house? <laughs> yeah. Almost. Almost, we're gonna get you that thing. And you don't have to make yeah. it big, it can be super small for the for your spouse, it can be a date night, right? Every every sale I do, if I hit my goals this month, if you sell a lot, um, you know, you don't wanna go bankrupt on buying toys and dates. Uh, <laughs> you know, it could be monthly goals, I'm gonna get you. If I hit my goal, I'm gonna do that. That way they're invested in in it with you and they get excited and can become, you know, part of the process with you. Uh, but it is, it's not easy, you know, there's, there's, I don't know, I think it's very, very difficult to, to have both. Do you ever see that movie, The Family Man with Nicolas Cage? No. Oh, no, because it's Nicolas Cage. But it's like original classic, like Sorry. good Nicolas Cage, not like Maybe recently. I did. Maybe I did see it. I, I Leone, where he's like a really rich Wall Street guy. And then Don Cheadle shows up and gives him a glimpse of what his life used to be like. Had he not gone to Wall Street and he would have lived in New Jersey selling tires with his. I feel like I've seen that. Yes, the tires. It was tires, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd seen it. Anyway, you know, yeah, it's, uh, so it's hard to have both, um, but she's do the best you can, you know, but, but I also think it's clear with communication. Yeah. And I think it's what you said there is like that she knows who she married. And so I think it's really important that when you are in that, if you, if you are in the relationship process, you aren't married that like you show your real self to somebody, like, don't try to edit who you are. And then, also be true. Like I know for me, it was always really hard um, because I loved working and I loved being gone and I wasn't the mom at pickup. And I, and it was, um, we lived in Arizona for a long time and it just wasn't the norm. And, um, but I have to be me and, and I'll be a better parent if I'm doing the other part that I love as well, which is my work. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I just wanted to say, oh, one last question. I was yeah. supposed to ask this first. What um, is your definition of success? Um, oh, you just, you know, just throw that right out there. I know, um, I know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
My, my definition of success changes all the time, but I would say what I've been consistent with is uh, that it is uh, your ability to consistently hit goals over time. Um, uh, and so it can be a goal of anything, right? You are successful at being a husband if you set goals and you actually achieve them. You are successful at work if you set goals and you actually achieve them. But the goals have to change and they have to stay relative to your own current you know, reality that way. Um, that way, success is always around the corner for everybody. It's not this lofty thing that some people have and some people don't have. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think you're right. It is always changing. Um, yeah, as life changes. Well, Ryan, congratulations. The book is excellent. It is available for pre-order now. And what is the final pub date? Uh, February 2nd, it comes out. And then I will, uh, I will finally take it off my hand because it's currently taped there. <laughs> February 2nd. The book is called Big Money Energy. Ryan, thank you so much for sharing your stories. We will be cheering for you all the way. Thank you. We'll see you soon. If you enjoyed this conversation, look up an inch or down an inch and check out all of our previous discussions. You can find those at iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are sold. And of course, check out the latest issue of Success Magazine by heading over to success.com slash subscribe and get more inspiring stories like this delivered right to your front door. Be sure to give us a review on Apple iTunes and you can find me at KindraHall.com or on Instagram at KindraHall. That is Kindra with an I. I can't wait to hear the stories you'll tell. Until next time.